being able to spot hidden value, I think is what separates kind of an average investor from a really, really good investor. Because I remember, you know, Leite looks at a lot of our properties and on Redfin, she could just be like scrolling through properties and she'll spot hidden value. And you know, I don't know too many kind of like other people like, okay, if you're trained and you're trained to know how to do it, sure. But I don't know any other people who just kind of naturally can do that. And you, you, I think can naturally kind of look at stuff, something and spot all that hidden value. And I think that's a real skill because what happens is, is that regular investors will miss that property because they don't see the hidden value, uh, but you spot it. Well, I think it's just such a fun challenge. It's a challenge of looking at something and saying, what are all the ways I can make it even better? What are all the ways I can get it to make more money? And it becomes a game. It's it's almost like Clue or something like that. And so if you get into hidden value, like we're clearly into hidden value, it becomes really fun. Yeah. Really, really fun. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E. Or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, a place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, Kenji and I are going to be talking about one of our favorite topics ever, Hidden value. Yeah, hidden value is uh, definitely one of our favorite topics because it's so important from a financial perspective. Uh, you know, in terms of getting the max returns for your properties, you want to find properties that have hidden value, and then you want to tap into it, and you want to force appreciation. So I know that I said a lot of words there for the audience who might not know all those terms. Can you kind of run through what we mean by first of all hidden value? Yeah. So hidden value is all the ways that the property can make money for you that you may not be tapping, the current owner may not be tapping, nobody could even be thinking about 
But there are all kinds of ways that properties can make money for you, either by increasing income or decreasing expenses. And what we spend a lot of time teaching our students about in our Zero to Freedom course, for example, is how to recognize hidden value and then how to tap it and maximize your your profits from your properties. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another term for it is a value add. You might hear that term thrown around, um, but that's it's really a skill. Being able to spot hidden value, I think, is what separates uh, kind of an average investor from a really, really good investor. Uh, because I remember, you know, Leite looks at a lot of our properties and on Redfin, she could just be like scrolling through properties and she'll spot hidden value. And you know, I don't know too many kind of like other people like, okay, if you're trained and you're trained to know how to do it, sure. But I don't know any other people who just kind of naturally can do that. And you, you, I think can naturally kind of look at stuff, something and spot all that hidden value. And I think that's a real skill because what happens is, is that regular investors will miss that property because they don't see the hidden value, uh, but you spot it. Well, I think it's just such a fun challenge. It's a challenge of looking at something and saying, what are all the ways I can make it even better? What are all the ways I can get it to make more money? And it becomes a game. It's it's almost like Clue or something like that. And so if you get into hidden value, like we're clearly into hidden value, it becomes really fun. Yeah. Really, really fun. All right. So well, you talked about hidden value. So uh, you were saying, you know, w- ways that you can increase income and decrease expenses, which essentially increases your income, your net operating income, and also increases your cash flow. Uh, let's talk about forced depreciation and how that relates to forced depreciation. Yeah, so forced depreciation is the way that you actually increase the value of your property. So I think of each rental property as a business, and your business is valued by other investors on the cash flow, the amount of money it's making, right? Because if somebody buys your business, your rental property, they want to know how much money they're going to make out of it. Well, if you tap a ton of hidden value and you increase how much money your business is making, now your business is worth a whole lot more money when you go to sell it or when you go to get it appraised often. And so that's called forcing appreciation because suddenly you've taken a property that maybe you bought for $100,000, you've tapped all these sources of hidden value, you've made it cash flow more. So it becomes a more profitable business. And now you go to sell it, it's worth $200,000 or $250,000. And you can literally do that in the course of three to six months. You can increase the profitability of that business and then get a cash out refinance or go to sell it maybe a year later, 1031 exchange it. And now you've created value out of nothing, out of your head, out of the ways that you recognized hidden value and you tapped into it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's let's now kind of talk about some hidden value opportunities. And let's start on the income side, right? We talked about if you can increase income or revenue of your property, then you're income or your cash flow is going to go up. So let's talk about some of those ideas. It's good we have you here for structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the very clearly most obvious easy one is under market rents. So a lot of times what will happen is an owner will own a property for a long time and they won't think to increase rents and stay with market rents. And so they'll be renting a unit for $500, but if you just bought that property and put it out in the market, it could rent for $750 without you doing anything. And that's called under market rent. And the way you recognize that hidden value is you really understand the market that you're looking in, that you want to buy a property in, and you understand what current market rents are for that type of property. And so you can literally look at a listing and it can be performing a certain way. Maybe the cash on cash is 
1%, but you can see, my goodness, this should be renting at 750 a unit. When I get it up to that, it's gonna be cash and cash 10%. And that is like such an easy thing to do because it's literally waiting until the tenant gets to the end of their lease or doing a cash for keys where you exchange money for the tenant to get out earlier. So you can get a new tenant in there in market rent and increase the profitability of your building. Yeah, what's cool about that is that you don't actually have to spend any money for renovations, let's say, right? There is a type of uh, under market rent where you can get the rents up by improving the quality of the property where you fully renovate it. But there is this under market rent where you don't actually have to improve the property. And that's that's really sweet when that happens because you don't have to really invest anything. All you have to do is get a new tenant in and charge them more. Yeah. And we've done this, for example, in a duplex that we bought, we literally took the pictures of the listing to a property manager and said, Hey, how much do you think rent should be? Then they said, you know, 900, 950 all day long, it was renting for 750. We bought this duplex, we put in $3,000 just to fix it up a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was renting for 950. Yeah. I think one of the keys to spotting this type of hidden values, you just have to know your market, right? You need to know what the two bedrooms or three bedrooms in that area rent for uh, in order for you to be able to spot it instantly. And when you know your market, you can really spot it. And that's like a, that's a, that's an easy one to spot hidden value. Yeah. And, and like Kenji mentioned, there's also this hidden value you can tap into with under market rents. If you know that if you improve the unit to a certain level, you don't want to go crazy and throw in tons of money to get marble floors, right? That's not going to give you that extra market rent, but to rental grade finishes to a certain level, if you know you're going to be able to increase rents, that also improves the property as well. And a lot of that rehab is actually a tax write-off for you as the owner of the property. So it's, it's not like you're actually paying all that money to get that increase in rents. Um, and so we've done that a ton in our portfolio, you know, bought properties that are renting at 750 and taking them up to 1100 after a rehab project and the amount of cash flow that we get because of it and the amount of forced depreciation is astronomical for the amount of money we put in to fix it up. Yeah, just to give you an example for our 32 unit, you know, we renovated those units for like let's say around 15,000, but the increase in value of that property after renovating it uh, was over 70,000. Right? So unit. per unit, right? So put in 15 you know, it's now valued at 70,000 more. So clearly that, great and, return. And that 15,000, a lot of it's a tax write-off right. for us too. So it's it's pretty remarkable. Right? Yeah. So now let's talk about other ways you can increase income. Well, one other way that we've done it is pet rent. And this is a really, really easy one as well. So one of the things we do when we upgrade our units is actually make sure we put in like luxury vinyl planking floor and we make it really more pet proof. And then we charge pet rent, which is a flat fee per month per pet. And we also charge a non-refundable pet deposit and a refundable part of a pet deposit. And that in itself can really add up if you have, you know, even two units and each person has a cat or dog or maybe two cats all of a sudden you're getting 75 or $100 more per month. And that's a lot of cash flow in your pocket at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's really overlooked because a lot of owners just don't want to have pets, right? But they also don't pet proof their properties. So of course, they're not, they're not going to want pets because that turnover is really expensive when you have to change out the carpets because they smell pet, right? So I think that if you can kind of tap that market of people who are looking for rentals or pet-friendly 
uh, rentals, you know, I think that's a great, great market to go after. And they're willing to pay that extra money because they love their pets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing we've done before is actually adding extra bedrooms or extra units. Mm -hmm. And so that's just using space you already have when you buy that property and using it better. I know a lot of times we've taken like we've taken studios, we've turned them into one bedrooms, we've taken two bedrooms and turned them into three bedrooms. We've done a lot of those types of things that add a lot of value to the property, both in forced depreciation, because now all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, well, actually, I think about a, one of our duplexes, we turned it into each side from two bedroom, one bath to four bedroom, two bath. I mean, imagine the value add to that property. And now the rent that comes in every single month is much, much more. And again, we're making more money. It's a more profitable business. We go to sell. It's worth a lot more. Yeah. I think one, one of the cool thing, cool ways that you spot that hidden value is that, you know, you'll take a, like a thousand square feet of a apartment and it's two bedrooms and you'll say, well, wow, that's a thousand square feet. You know, I think we could probably find another bedroom in there. Right. And you kind of go, that's just, again, one way that you can potentially make a two bedroom into a three bedroom uh, and increase the rent. So I think that's a really cool way to spot that hidden value. Yeah. You can also look in attic space and put mm-hmm. a bedroom up there or looking for basement Basements. space. That's kind of tall. We've done a lot of that kind of stuff too. So some of that, some of these things you can see on the listings, if there are pictures, Sometimes you actually get there on inspection and your, you know, agent is walking around the unit showing you because you you live out of state, right? Your agent's showing you on FaceTime, like what it, what the inspection looks like. And you're like, oh, there's some extra space mm-hmm. that I can use. And oftentimes it's used for an extra unit or an extra bedroom. Other times it's used for things like storage, right? Which is another one that you could charge for storage space in a property. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about storage and let's talk about detached garages, which are a little bit, you know, they can be used for storage but they could also be used for other things as well. Can we talk about those? Yeah, so this is something actually we learned from reading a book. Nobody was doing it around us, um, but we just decided to try to implement it. And what we realized is is truly if you have a detached garage and you don't rent it to one, one of the renters in a unit, but you rent it to a third party, you can actually get a lot more return for your bang for your buck, really. And so what we've done is we run a separate electric and then people can rent it for, from us as like storage, like you mentioned, or a workshop even mm-hmm. because now it has electrical, you know, they can be doing their woodworking or they could be storing their boats there or whatever it is that they want to do, their their classic cars, working on their classic cars. And that's actually been a big money maker for us because, again, it's very little in and monthly returns in rent. And again, your property is performing that much better. And our garages rent from, you know, a hundred to even $400 we've rented garages for before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually now I, now I think about it, running the electrical is really, really the key differentiator, right? It's no longer just a regular storage space. It's all of a sudden a workspace potentially. And also I was just thinking right now that, you know, with uh, these electric cars becoming more prominent, you have to actually plug those in and keep them plugged in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not good to kind of let the battery run out. So I could think that think of that being another great way of just marketing and just say, hey, this is a great place to store your electric car. Uh, but anyway, the bottom line is that that is yet another way to increase your income beyond you could charge more than you would for a storage space uh, because it's not a storage space anymore. Yeah. And actually that brings up how in one of our properties, right, we're putting electric car charger mm-hmm. chargers in there that's right. to increase our income as well. And that's kind of kind of the more like 
using other parts of your property to make money, right? And that goes into like parking spaces and charging for parking spaces, doing some unique things like electric car charging Mm -hmm. um, and making money from that. You could also maybe put in covered parking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you think about uh, different parts of the country uh, where there's a lot of hail, let's say, or snow or just just the elements, right? People love their cars and so they want to keep them protected. They're willing to pay for covered parking. And if I think about these bigger units, a lot of them love to have assigned spaces, right? They want to have that space right in front of their apartment. They don't want it taken up by somebody else. So you can actually have assigned spaces, premium parking spots that people can also pay for. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. You know, so far we've been talking a lot about these smaller units, but I'd love to kind of shift gears and talk a little bit more about income opportunities for these larger properties. We talked about parking, but what what are some other stuff, uh, things that people can do? Laundry, laundry definitely comes to mind. Um, Laundry machines, even in a duplex and fourplex, actually you can make a fair amount of money Mm -hmm. if you have a laundry room. And I know a lot of our students have actually seen places they can have a laundry room and and maybe it's an outdoor you know shed or something like that. They could actually put laundry in there or in an attached shed to the house. And so laundry can bring in a fair amount of money if you have like a card laundry machine. What we've been doing for some of our bigger properties is actually outsourcing with another company that would pay for the machines Mm -hmm. and then they collect half the profit, we collect half the profit, and then they take care of maintenance. So it makes it much easier that way too. So Mm -hmm. that's another way we're making money. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to do it. Other kind of ways that I'll just kind of throw out there, um, you know, some people are are contracting with internet companies uh, and then offering, uh, let's say, Wi-Fi or cable to their tenants. Uh, And so they'll make a little bit of a premium on that. Uh, So that's another way you can kind of make money. But it it really is a, there's there's so many different opportunities for increasing income. We could probably have a whole another episode on it uh, just for the income side. But let's talk about expenses now. uh, And let's kind of start by talking about some of the smaller properties, uh, but then we can start focusing on some of the bigger properties as well. But for some of the smaller properties, what are some of the things that we've done uh, to reduce expenses uh, for our properties? Well, number one has got to be utility bill back because it's free. Right. And that's what's such a key about that, because the return on investment 
is like infinite because if you bill back $200 a month in utilities to your tenants, if you just shift those costs, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't necessarily have to submeter. Again, look at your local regulations about this because not every state allows utility bill back. A lot of them you would have to submeter, but a lot of, in a lot of instances, you can sh- literally shift the cost of utilities just by having your property manager bill the tenants back for the utilities costs every single month costs you zero, but now you're suddenly your cash and cash return goes through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, well, I think one of the, one of the things that we always run into with our students is that people say they get pushback from property managers when they, when they suggest it because it's never been done or th- this is not the standard in this, uh, in this market. And I just remember when we first started doing it in outside of Seattle, and we're talking hour, hour and a half outside of Seattle, that's exactly what we we heard. We got a lot of pushback from property managers, but we were like, you know what? Let's try it. You know, mm-hmm. what's what's the downside? And I think we actually started a trend. It was pretty cool. Uh, so I think you could be the first in your market. I think don't be deterred by what your property managers say, even if you're the only one doing it and you're self-managing, just try it. You know, it doesn't just try it. Just try yeah, it and see. Put, put the listing out there for that and see what happens and give yourself some time for sure. And this is one of the key sources of hidden value, because if you can see a place and you know you're going to be able to charge back utilities and the owner's paying $11,000 a year in utilities. I mean, one of our students actually in Alaska, just I was just looking at his example. He literally flipped the equation from $11,000 a year in utilities to zero. The cash and cash like of his property is crazy because of that. And it was literally just utilities. Yeah, it's amazing. It's remarkable. Yeah, I, I love utilities. And along the lines of utilities, uh, if we keep kind of pushing that example, there are a lot of other things you can do with utilities. What I would say is that, you know, if you can combine a utility bill back as uh, along with energy efficiencies, and you might go, well, you're just billing back the utilities. Why would you install energy efficient uh, lighting, toilets, shower heads? The reason is, is that, you know, you don't, you know, of course you're shifting the cost to the tenant, but you don't, you know, if you can shift less cost to the tenant, that means that they're going to have more money for rent increases, right? And so I think if you can install energy efficient, uh, we talked about LED bulbs for lighting, right? It reduces the electrical usage in the common areas. If you can in- install uh, energy efficient toilets, mm-hmm. uh, which which a toilet usage is actually probably the number one source of water usage in, a, in an apartment, and you can go from three gallon flushes to 0.8 gallon flushes, um, that's huge, right? That's a huge potential savings. So if you can do those few things, then you can really reduce your utility bills. One other thing that I did want to bring up around utilities is something cool that we did with one of our properties is that there's actually a lot of incentives for installing energy efficient, you know, either electrical, uh, energy efficient uh, heating. Uh, and this, this is actually what we did with one of our properties is that uh, we applied for a grant to replace our boiler. We had a really old boiler that was used for heating and we were, were going to replace it with an energy efficient one. It's going to be about $25,000 and we got a grant and the city is going to actually pay for that. It's pretty amazing. And so look for those incentives because they are out there uh, because, you know, again, it's all about conservation uh, and people are paying for conservation these days. Yeah, actually, you can also, if you're making upgrades to, you know, maybe another system, you could actually also go to your insurance company and mm-hmm. say, hey, I, 
you know, upgraded the system, can I reduce my insurance? And there's another way you can save in expenses as yeah, well. Yeah, great call. Yeah, electrical panels. Yeah, so we've replaced electrical panels for uh, a number of our properties, actually. And so if you can kind of go from something that is a fire hazard to now it's the, you know, up to code current standard, then yeah, I mean, you definitely need to talk to your insurance company and see if they will lower your rate. Uh, and and those, those dollars can definitely add up. The next one I have for you is landscaping. You know, you really thought of this. We never even read it in a book, but I thought this was really, really brilliant. Is is Kenji actually decided for one of our duplexes to draw a map of what the different parts of the lawn were and which part actually belonged to each tenant. And then in their leases built in that they needed to care for their portion of the lawn and then actually had a landscaper come in, make it look perfect, had pictures put into the lease of what the standard was for what it should look like. And then put in that the lease terms that if it's not maintained to this level of standard, we will hire a landscaper to come out and fix it, but we're going to be charging you for that. And I thought that was just incredible. And we've since done that for like a fourplex as well. So I think billing back, shifting those landscaping costs to the tenant was really, really a great idea too. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. People kind of assume, oh, well, for a duplex or a fourplex, you know, it's it's impossible, right? You can't have uh, you know, somebody in one of the units be responsible for it. But like, you know, think about it, fourplex or even a sixplex, right? Why not just make one or two of the tenants responsible for the yard? Like the first floor tenants, right? Could be responsible for the yard. That's just part of, you know, their living space, let's say, right? You can make it their living space and say, it's your responsibility. And I would say not just landscaping, but snow removal is also really important, you know, from a, not just from a cost perspective, but from a, um, from a legal perspective, right? Because, you know, you want to make sure that, you kind of make it very clear that they are responsible for clearing the sidewalk and also laying down some, some let's say, salt, right? Just to make sure that people don't slip and fall, right? So I think that's really important. Yeah, and if you want to make it even more clear, you could literally put put in fences, right? And then right. it becomes very, very clear. This is your land. You're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. So my next one is maintenance. So I think one thing that we've kind of stumbled into over the years is really taking properties that needed a ton of work rehabbing them, writing again, all that off, and then increasing the rents. But then what it does for us is our maintenance costs go down dramatically because suddenly everything's new in the property, right? And so things are much less likely to break down. And so we're going not going to have those maintenance costs that are super costly because you have a plumber come in, you know, suddenly it's $150 and your property manager is upcharging you. And it becomes a really big deal just to have a clogged toilet. Well, now we have new toilets. Our maintenance costs are going down. And then it also really allows us to differentiate what is damage caused by this tenant. I mean, if a unit is new and and the person's moving out after a year or two and there's like some damage, you know, it was new before they took over. It's much clearer that that needs to come out of their security deposit than if they went into a property and it was in terrible shape and suddenly something broke. Who knows whose fault it is? You're probably going to be much more likely to eat the cost as a landlord. Yeah, it's called uh, we call it the renovate early strategy. There's actually a nice article in the uh, blog about it. There are benefits, uh, not just in maintenance, but other benefits as well. So definitely check that article out. Well, that's just a taste of all the ways you can get hidden value. If you want to learn more, there are a lot of 
articles on our blog Mm -hmm. about hidden value and then join our community because a lot of our students are coming up with different ways of tapping hidden value all the time. So semi-retired physicians, semi-retired professionals, Facebook groups, there's a lot going on with that. And as always, if you like this podcast, subscribe and give us a five-star review and we'll see you in the next one. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.